Hi there, this is Stephen Toulouse, otherwise known as Steptoe. You are listening to Versus the World Radio. Versus the World Productions. Scaring normal people on the internet since 2010. www.vtwproductions.com The following presentation is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike Non-Commercial License. For more information on Creative Commons licensing, please visit www.creativecommons.org. intended for mature audiences. You're listening to Alpha Geek Fridays, only on vtwproductions.com. Welcome to our new edition of Alpha Geek Fridays. This is for Friday, the 23rd of December, 2011. Yes, it's nearly Christmas, and oh my God, do I have a lot of shopping and things yet to do. Shoot me in the head. To help me with the shooting in the head, we have my man from Canada, Joel Duggan. How are you hello, doing? Hello, hello, hello. How are things in the Great White North? Uh, very white, as a matter of fact. Uh, you and I were discussing uh, via email my um, attempt to run some errands in a snowstorm here before the show. And it uh, looks like we're going to have a white Christmas here in Halifax, and I'm excited. I'm dreaming of a Hummer with no snow tires. <laughs> yeah, that dude that was driving in front of me had no idea what he was doing. Yeah, you, when you have a Hummer, which is a mm. vehicle that is based on a military... Humvee, allegedly, and you're driving in Nova Scotia in the winter, you should probably have studded tires on. Call me crazy. One would think. Yeah, but stupid people are everywhere, even in Canada, unfortunately. Um, yeah, he was forget, fishtailing all over the place. can't stupid. No, that's the thing. The worst part is that if he ever got in an accident, whoever he got in an accident with would probably see the brunt of it. You know, like, <laughs> you know, he's not going to run into a tractor trailer or a bus. He's going to run into like a Toyota Corolla <laughs> and just no. demolish it. He's going to run into a smart car and then you won't even know that a collision <laughs> has happened. It's be a dark streak yeah. on the pavement. <laughs> like a Prius or something. No, actually, we have, we have a drop in for, for moments like this. When you look at the, the moron in the snowstorm in Nova Scotia in the winter with the Hummer with no snow tires and you say to them, Are you smoking crack? 
<laughs> and likely well, he might have answer. been. Yeah. Damn. So, despite uh, people like that on the roads between you and your destination, uh, and your penchant for not really driving all that much, you managed to arrive home alive and in time for our live show this week. Thank you for not dying. We appreciate it. Well, good. You know, I like to oblige when I can. Uh, let people know that our special guest for later in the show this week has confirmed, and we will be joined during our third half by Mark the Terpster, Turpin, yes, Terpster, his own friend, will be joining us for our final segment this week. Should be tons of fun. I'm excited. I've actually not yet spoken with Terpster on a podcast. I've, I've listened to several, but I, I haven't actually met him on the internets yet, so I'm, I'm stoked. Yeah, and I suspect you will be uh, doing a lot more listening today because historically you set Terpster <laughs> on a topic and you stand back and let the sentences wash over you. And hey, who's on the phone? Uh, it was Big Brother and Big Sister. Unfortunately, <laughs> my uh, I have my I was smart enough to turn my my iPhone off, but of course the house phone in the other room was we on the other side of the apartment and I can't get to it to shut it off in time so sorry whoopsie <laughs> yeah we I mean at least at least it's a good you. cause calling you know it's not telemarketing um they're actually probably calling to confirm a pickup on the 27th because they called the other day and I said that I would donate some clothing and some some um kitchen things that I don't need anymore would you like to take a survey oh no those people somehow have reached my iPhone I now get um <laughs> oh, God. Do you know what I mean when you get you, you answer the phone and you don't recognize the area code and you're like, well, it could be someone that I know, like because I've got friends all over the place, right? And it means this this time of year you're like, well, it could be, you know, Jillian Colin from Pennsylvania or something. Like I don't know. Um, and sure enough, I, I pick up the phone. I'm like, hello, and all I hear is, <laughs> you may have won a cruise. Jeez, oh, really? <laughs> I got off yeah. off the couch to watch to listen to that. Like I don't need that. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, die in a fire. Yeah, that's what comes to mind. <laughs> you go stand in the fire. I will mm -hmm. stand here and just DPS you until you're no more. If only the real world worked that way. Yeah, yeah. I wish. Well, and that's the thing. Like, in, in when I, once uh, once upon a time when I was playing Warcraft, I was a warlock. So my my game was lighting you on fire. <laughs> that was my Fair bag. <laughs> it's like I'm gonna light you on fire now. Bye bye. Do you read uh, Looking for Group from the Blind Ferret guys? I used to. Um, I think it just, I used to when I was playing the game, um, but since I haven't been in WoW in, geez, almost two years now, I, I kind of fell off the, the WoW comic wagon. Um, it wasn't, it was, was sometimes it was a little above my head, too. I wasn't super into it. Like, I enjoyed the game, but I wasn't um, elite into it, so a lot of the jokes were kind of a little bit too, too in-depth for me. I wouldn't get them. Yeah, LFG is more generic sword and sorcery, but one of the main characters, Richard, is the classic uh, light you on fire warlock, which is what I immediately thought of when you said, well, it's my job to light oh, you on fire. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I think I remember that character now. Was he, is he an undead warlock? Oh, hell yeah. Is there another yeah, kind? Okay. Well, I was actually the uh, 1970s porn mustache human warlock uh, at well, the time. Yeah. Yeah, hello, let me light your fire. Woohoo. Um no, when I was um when I started playing, it was um one of my friends was on an alliance server and I wanted to be a warlock, but I didn't want to be any of the other characters on 
I didn't want to be a gnome, so right. I went with a human. So, but he's got gray yeah. hair, so he doesn't look too porny. No, he's, he's aging porn star. That, that just makes it all yeah. better. Vintage, vintage, vintage. <laughs> I'm not talking that. <laughs> okay, you've successfully driven me to some of the items from our research thread. Great. <laughs> and I just really wanted to give thanks to, and I give thanks because I get to say his name on the air, uh, Boba Fetish, for contributing to this week's research thread. Our all-volunteer research that can be found at vtwproductions.com by clicking on the forums link at the top of the page. As a reminder, if you want to interact with this show, please come to vtwproductions.com, click on the chat button at the top of the page, and choose Frog Pants. That will give you the Versus the World audio player and Frog Pants IRC all in one convenient page. Since this one sprang from the loins of the tadpool, as it were. It's kind of a, a combo meal between Versus the World, so we use the Frog Pants IRC because it's full of the cool people. And Life's a Beach in the IRC, no, this is not pre-recorded. This is live. Booyah. So, uh, from the research thread, one that's near and dear to my heart, because uh, it's Sony uh, pulling typical corporate dick move, uh, and because I own a PS3, I caught this one in the face when it uh, was actually released. This is from GameSpot.com. And Sony sued over terms of service update. New PSN terms intended to limit class action lawsuits result in a class action lawsuit alleging unfair business practices. In September, Sony updated its PlayStation Network terms of service to prevent class action lawsuits. Now that change itself has instigated a class action lawsuit. According to court documents obtained by GameSpot, a Northern California man filed suit against Sony late last month on behalf of all customers who purchased a PlayStation 3 and signed up for PSN access before the September change to Sony's terms of service. The suit alleges that Sony engaged in unfair business practices by forcing consumers to either give up their right to fire, file a class action lawsuit or give up access to online gaming network they effectively paid for when they purchased the hardware. Yeah, this was part of Sony's reaction to uh, being hacked and leaking all manner of uh, confidential customer information because they were psychotically incapable of, of patching their Apache servers. Right. And so rather than you know, fixing things and making the network more secure and redesigning things intelligently, their reaction was to, well, let's just make sure they can't sue us. Right, like I'm no lawyer, but that's what I'm getting out of this is that they're saying in the new agreement, you're agreeing not to sue us even if we drop the ball again. Yeah. Despite our track record of ball dropping. Exactly. That's just, I, don't, I mean, I'm not a PSN member or PS3 owner, but like that's a discouraging um, state of events. Like, I mean, if I... I'm looking at possibly getting a console at some point in the, in the near future if I can if I can scramble the, the money together because I, I do miss um, that kind of gaming. And I was having a discussion the other day with a friend saying, you know, battling between PS3, uh, Xbox, like what's, what's the better road to take? And I'm not a big Microsoft fan, but I don't know if I'm a real big Sony fan right now either. Yeah, the whole you must agree to binding arbitration from an arbitrator appointed by us. Yeah, right. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see if this stands up in court. I hope it does not. I hope that it doesn't become okay for 
big companies to say, well, if you want to use our product, you have to give up your rights, and we can screw up as hard as we want to screw up, and you can never come after us, except for via binding arbitration. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's mm, wrong. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Do, do you have a PS3 or an Xbox? I have PS3 and a Wii in this household. And oh, okay. So this, you know, I had to, if I wanted to continue to have access to the online aspects of the PS3, uh, including things like the Netflix service, which is actually its primary use. Oh, of this yes. Had to agree to this update. So basically, I, could, I had a choice of either effectively bricking the box and making it good for playing local games only, or I could agree to the update. Yeah, that sounds fair. So yeah. I'll be watching what, this one what, with, with some interest. Yeah, so what did you do? I, I, of course, sucked it up and agreed to it. Yeah. Um, whilst all the while hoping that exactly this would happen, that a class action suit that I could uh, become a member of would be created. So I'm going to seek this one out and get my name on the right. list. Right on, makes sense. Yeah, because I mean, it's, it's hard to, to think about games without an online connection. You know, like all of the games that I play and enjoy have some sort of online component. Um, the only ones that I, the only game in recent memory um, that I can think of that that didn't that I enjoyed uh, was Portal, the first one. Mm -hmm. uh, but Portal Two has got co-op, so I mean that's something I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, so Portal again, there's just the online is where it's at. So, well, interesting. The end, one of the things that they did with Portal Two that I really liked was the purchase the PlayStation Three version and receive the Steam version as part of the purchase. That right. is doing it right. Everyone should do that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's, it's like, um, uh, not all DVDs, but I, I feel like maybe the the Incredible Hulk Blu-ray came with an entire set. I mean, like, you only paid for the Blu-ray. They didn't charge you for anything else other than the normal Blu-ray, which was like $35. But you received a DVD version you received an iTunes digital version, uh, which was, I don't think it was a hard copy. I think it was just like a, a card with a code that you could redeem at the Apple store. So it's basically like, we, kn we know you bought the Blu-ray, but you're not always going to have access to your Blu-ray player. So here's a code to have as many different versions officially, you know, of, of the movie uh, as you want on, on your different platforms. And I thought it was brilliant. It made me feel way better about spending, you know, the extra, you know, the extra money on a Blu-ray. Yeah, the movement that direction is very appealing to me, and they will—I mean—they will start getting my money for Blu-rays again if they continue down this road. If I can purchase it for the price I'm expecting to pay for a, a fresh release, you know, first-run, you know, triple-A tier movie, but I get the Blu-ray, I get a DVD, and I get a digital copy, then they will have my business. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, chat room, but I, I believe that Disney does the same thing. I Disney feel like has, Disney... Yep, they have definitely have the Disney uh, digital copy comes with all their newer uh, releases. And yeah. they have a whole management system. And the industry as a whole has this initiative called Ultraviolet. Have you seen that? Uh, I've heard about it on TNT, but refresh my memory. It is basically this idea of a locker that holds all of the digital copies that you will get with all your Blu-ray purchases. So you'll oh, cool. be able to get your Blu-ray, and you'll put the 
um, digital copy of your movie into your ultraviolet locker, and ideally, in the future, be able to play it through various different portals. It just remains to be seen how well supported it's going to be, or if it'll if they'll do something dumb with DRM or restrictions that'll kill it. We'll see. Yeah, it's a great yeah, idea. I think. Yeah, it's a good idea. I think that that was the discussion that they were having on TNT. Like they just kind of said, "Well, it's like it sounds awesome, but I mean, how much how much time do we have before this gets stomped on by somebody?" Right? They've, I mean, they come around. I mean, they they were, you know, Steve Jobs put the music industry in a full Nelson and bashed their forehead against the wall enough that they came around to the fine, fine. DRM-free MP3s when you purchase our damn music, and you can buy them one track at a time for a buck, and fine. We will. So if the RIAA can be brought around to you know, kicking and screaming into the 21st century, uh, there's hope that the movie industry may eventually suck it up. And, and the whole piracy is killing us thing is not borne out by the numbers. You look at the record profits of, of the successful movie studios... Um, and it's hard to feel bad for them. So I think they should be more accepting of these technologies and just say, give the people what they want, which is freaking digital copies that play everywhere. End of story. If they do that, they're going to get my money. Yeah. It's funny, actually, um, Boba Fettish just mentioned in the chat room that he purchased the Lord of the Rings trilogy, and it came with digital copies, but the digital copy download expired back in April. Like, How broken is that? So if you didn't download it, you lose it. Yeah, it's oh that kind of stuff just drives me nuts. Like I mean, it, it's digital. Just let oh, <laughs> angry, yeah. angry. Speaking of Incredible Hulk, I'm turning green right now. Um, Do not so, make look, Joel angry. Oh man, well I, one of the things that I was listening to this week uh, was the discussion that Leo Laporte was having on This Week in Tech, uh, which continued on a little bit of Mac Break Weekly because it was a slow Apple News Week. Uh, about the SOPA um, bill trying to get get going in the States. And uh, it was, I don't remember all the details of the discussion because it got very heated uh, in a very intelligent way. Um, But it was just so blatant that so many people in Congress just don't understand how the internet works and how digital media works and how people can actually use you know, uh, something like a, a freemium business model or a creative commons business model to actually make money. And it's, um, I mean, there are definitely arguments for both sides of the coin. I'm not going to, like, come down hard on, on one side or the other. But it was such an interesting conversation, but also so discouraging to just realize how broken, you know, stuff like that really is. Like, I mean, case in point, you know, a, a digital code for um, a, a phys- on a physical product that you buy, like the Lord of the Rings trilogy, that expires? I, I, yeah. I mean, a coupon, sure, you know, but a code online where it advertises on the box, hey buy this now, take it home, put it in your DVD player, and hey, guess what? There's a digital code inside, you know? And, I mean, depending on where Boba Fetish bought that that uh, DVD or Blu-ray set, I mean, there's no indication on the box that says expires April 2011, I'm sure. You know, so there's he probably thinks some he's kind getting of extreme more... fine print. Yeah, well, he's getting... He thinks he's getting more for his money, but he's really not. I mean, I... And, and the return policy on Blu-rays in most places is nil, so, I mean, the chances of, of actually... You know, returning it and getting a refund if you were that pissed off is probably nothing. Right, that's just ugh, bad. Bad. Yeah, there is much work yet to be done. And the whole, you know, Stop Online Piracy Act, SOPA crap going on in the U.S. right now. Um, I just saw 
one of the major hosting providers, who's actually based here in Arizona, GoDaddy. GoDaddy, released, yeah. Yeah, released a statement in support of the Stop Online Piracy Act. And so I am moving a few domains uh, away from their service and onto another service. And I encourage all of you who are listening to do the same. If you uh, have any services from GoDaddy, uh, there's an organized uh, movement say, hey, let's show GoDaddy how we feel about their support of this let's break the internet uh, legislation by hitting them where it hurts, in the pocketbook. Yeah. So if you've got I, I the domains uh, hosted or anything with them, move it away. Yeah, it's uh, I want to say it's December 29th is International Move Your Domain Day. Oh, they want to do it on a particular day. Even better. Um, I yeah, I I really want to say it's the 29th. Uh, it was part of the calendar on TNT from yesterday, from the 22nd, uh, on, on the Twit that. Network. So yeah, I, I believe that there's a specific day. I'm sure you can Google it and probably find it pretty quick. Um, but I actually moved all of my domains from GoDaddy a little while ago, um, because I was I can't remember what I was doing. I feel like I was trying to set something up for a client. And I was trying to walk her through moving her domain from GoDaddy or trying to redirect the servers or something like that. And it was an absolute nightmare. And uh, I happened to have a um, a coupon code for Hover.com. And I just called them up and said, hey, move all my stuff. So they did it. And it's been fantastic. I've never looked back. So I'm, I'm glad to be outside of GoDaddy. And now reading you know, this, this news, I'm, I'm really happy to be not supporting um, GoDaddy. Excellent. So smite them, smite them in the pocketbook. All right, we have, oh God, time is flying when you get on interesting topics like that. All right, going back to, what do you got from uh, our friendly neighborhood Google Docs, Doc? Google Docs, well, um, one of the things that I, I actually caught last night was the uh, Prometheus trailer from uh, director Ridley Scott. And uh, it, it's pretty fast cut. It was I was hard to it was hard to kind of sort out what was going on, but it looks really neat. It looks like um, it reminds me of the way that I felt after I watched the um, District Nine trailer. Mm -hmm. You know, like you watched it and you're like, oh, that looks like really cool sci-fi, and it looks like really cool original sci-fi. You know, like this has the Ridley Scott um, touch to it, but uh, I'm excited. It looks really really interesting. Yeah, I am, uh, I mean, Ridley Scott of Blade Runner and Alien fame. This is his return to science fiction uh, after, oh God, a lot of years uh, out, out of the genre. And in its early development phases, this was actually put out as the uh, prequel to the Alien franchise. And then later on, they backed away from that, saying, no, it's, it's going to be its own movie. It, 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 it might be set in the same universe, but uh, it's not going to be an alien prequel. And Ridley Scott is repeatedly in interviews saying, no, there's not going to be aliens in it. It's not an alien prequel. He said something along the lines of, you might see some of the DNA from the Alien franchise mixed in there, so it should feel familiar to you, but it is, it is definitely not a direct prequel to Alien. And then you well, and I see this trailer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think, I know, I want to give Ridley Scott enough credit. Um, I really enjoy his films, and I want to give him enough credit to not make the same mistakes that Lucas and other big sci-fi franchises have made um, in, in, in staying with the same, you know, humdrum sort of franchise just because they know it'll get a, a big bang at the box office. Um, mm -hmm. Usually to the disappointment of, 
of reviews and fans later on. Uh, not always, but I mean, it, it seems to be a, a trend that uh, people can't leave stuff well alone. And uh, I mean, I for one really enjoy um, the idea of, um, I mean, as an artist, I feel like it would be hard to deviate too far because like thinking of, of Ridley Scott as an artist and like if I was to do a drawing or a painting of something else, you can still see my style in it. You know, you can still see that, oh, that's probably drawn by Joel. So I feel like if you're going to watch a sci-fi movie by Ridley Scott, of course there's going to be hints and, and nods to the DNA of the Alien franchise. But I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. You know, that's just space and sci-fi as he sees it. But then there's clear and obvious shots of the ship, which was the crashed, crashed alien ship where the alien eggs were discovered in the original alien film. Like up front oh, okay. and See, center I and prominent in the trailer for Prometheus. That's more than DNA or style. That's the freaking same prop. Yeah, is it? Is it? Are you sure it's the same? Is there any kind of documentation to that, or is it just like you look at it and you you think it's the same? I am absolutely positive. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah. I watched it on my phone, so I mean, uh, it was okay. it was going by pretty quick. I didn't I didn't catch that. Uh, the other the other thing, I'm gonna I'm gonna put this as a as a quick complaint about trailers. Uh, most trailers recently, the cuts are too fast. Like it feels like I'm having a seizure trying to watch yeah. this this snippet of this movie and it's like my god like i would be happier if you just showed me like the first two minutes of the film you know what i mean like the first few dialogue bits that would be more of a of a, of a teaser for me than, than showing all these things flashing by that i can't make out what they are unless i want to go super nerdy and go watch it in slow motion somewhere well, well but of course isn't that what everyone does <laughs> okay i'm not quite there yet I'm not quite, that. not quite to that level. Um, yeah, well, well, I'm trying to think about some other, some other things that have done it. Um, I'm trying to think of another sci-fi franchise that might have put like a nod to something else. Like, did do the Men in Black series? Do they do any kind of Star Trek or Star Wars nods? Like, they don't do anything. They're pretty well, subtle. Did they There's make more... a hint that? Yeah, was there a joke about George Lucas being an alien or something? No, that was Michael <laughs> Jackson. Oh, right. Okay, so it was more pop culture stuff than actual Actually, no, Michael reference. Jackson wanted to be an agent. Uh, Sly Stallone was the alien. Oh, right. <laughs> nice. Hey, my turn to have a phone call. We are professionals. <sighs> we are even. The other I thing about, about the Prometheus uh, trailer, if you go back and look at the original Alien trailer, stylistically they did the exact same thing in Prometheus where one brace of each letter in the word Prometheus fades in over the course of the trailer. And right. they did exactly that with Alien. You go back um, and look at the teaser trailer for Alien and they faded in. I mean, it is yeah, a, maybe he not is. even a nod. It is it, it, They use the exact same technique. So it's, it's like saying it's directly contradicting Ridley Scott going around saying it's not an Alien film. It's not an Alien film. We're going to make a trailer that makes it look exactly like Alien, but it's not an Alien film. Make up your mind, dude. Yeah, I I hope he's not letting me down. Don't lead me down this dark path, Ridley. Just don't do it. Well, I mean, it's the man does horror very very well. So this is going to be a dark path. But yeah, lots well, of uh, yeah. lots of screen time for Charlize Theron uh, nude. So I'm good with it. <laughs> nice. I'm on board for that as well. Imagine that. I was just about to ask you who's in it. 
Uh, so the only one I know for sure, Charlie Theron is, is one of the major. Uh, Michael Fassbender, um, who may be playing um, an earlier version of the Ash type android from the the, the, the Alien series. Okay. Um, there's there's spoilers and hints and guesses and so I mean it's it is confirmed that it is in fact set in the same universe as Alien earlier and the the bit that everyone speculates is going to tie it together is what's referred to as the space jockey which was the big alien in the chair fossilized that they found in the ship when they were finding the eggs um, mm. we apparently get to encounter that race and they are world builders so they may have been the ones who you know, seeded Earth with life. The, the, whole, the whole tagline of pr the Prometheus film is they were searching for the origins or the beginning of life and they found something that may end it. Dun, dun, dun. Right. Um, so we shall see. Yeah, well. I mean, I'll see it. It's not like I'm going to not see oh, it. Well, it looks great. I mean, even, even if I didn't know anything about Alien, it looks like a, a, a bitchin' fun ride. Um, yeah, so no, I agree. Even with just, I mean, this is the early teaser teaser trailer, and even mm. that looks like a whole bunch of fun. So I'll be there day one with yeah. my money. Se seizure aside, um, I'm, I'm sure I'll go, <laughs> I'll go see it. You don't like jump cuts? You got probably jump cuts? No, jump cuts? Jeez, more like hyper jump cuts. <laughs> I may have motion sickness. <laughs> <laughs> ah, all right, that brings us neatly to our first break of this show. You are listening to Alpha Geek Fridays live on Versus the World Radio, vtwproductions.com. Our RSS feeds are created and maintained by RSS feed creator from JitBit Software. Check them out on the web at www.jitbit.com or follow the link from our front page on the left-hand side. Have a little bit of Paul and Storm queued up for you guys. This uh, track will be Christmas Eve Eve, it being just a couple of days before Christmas here in 2011. Enjoy, and we will return right after this. Versus the World Productions. Nerds on the Internet. What more could you ask for? www.vtwproductions.com This show is brought to you in part by Audible. Audible.com is the leading provider of premium digital spoken audio information and entertainment on the Internet. With over 85,000 programs for more than 1,000 content providers, including leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, entertainers, magazine and newspaper publishers, and business information providers. Audible customers can also have their Audible content wirelessly delivered to their smart mobile devices daily, even while sleeping, taking the computer out of the equation. To find out more, visit vtwproductions.com and click on the audible.com advertisement on the left-hand side. Or visit audiblepodcast.com forward slash vtwproductions. New customers in the United States and Canada will receive a free audiobook download when they sign up via that link. audiblepodcast.com forward slash vtwproductions. Today we sing the praises of December 23rd, although it's not a holiday per se. It's just the day that is the day before the day before the day that is the best day in the world. The 24th. 
24th is Christmas Eve, the 25th is Christmas, and the 26th is Boxing Day, and marks the feast of Stephen, but the 23rd is mostly spent just marking time until the Earth rotates around its axis once again. Today we sing the praises of December 23rd. Though no one else would seem to give a damn It's just the day that is the day before the day before the day That is the best day in the world Too late for office parties and you're done with Secret Santa But too early to go driving off to grandma's through the snow And metaphorically speak it's the next to last minute, so you still have one more shopping day to go. Today we sing the praises of December 23rd, cause if we don't, nobody ever will. It's just the day that is the day before the day before the day that is the best day in the world. It's just the day that is the day before the day before the day that is the best day in the world. Hello, this is John Scalzi and you're listening to Versus the World Radio. Alpha Geek Fridays continues live on Versus the World Radio, vtwproductions.com. If you wish to email the show, the address is fridays at alphageekradio.com. That's fridays, plural, with an S, at alphageekradio.com. Joel, do you have a particular affection for uh, another story from the, uh, the research this week, or shall I run with one? Well, while we were talking about trailers, I, I think we should dive into a trailer that uh, I actually didn't like, uh, and that's the, the latest trailer for The Hobbit. This is the original initial teaser trailer for The Hobbit, uh, part one, actually, I say, since they've split The Hobbit into two films. This is An Unexpected Journey, which is the first half, and what did you not like about it? I'm actually kind of surprised to hear that. Well, I mean, I'm excited about the film. I'll be clear that I'm I'm really stoked about another Peter Jackson, Lord of the Rings, uh, Hobbit, J.R.R. Tolkien, like, complete um, crazy movie amazing thing. Um, that's That was horrible. Wow. I should start all over again. Um, I'm Too excited over. about The Hobbit. I will go see it. Um, but I really felt that the trailer was just kind of like, meh. You know, it's like... Uh, it's like once you get into the Lord of the Rings films and you say, I'm going to sit down and watch Lord of the Rings. And then when you go to watch the first one, you realize that it's really dull. Yeah. I enjoy it, but it's certainly not very exciting except for the, like, the, the last part with the Balrog. So I feel like this part of The Hobbit, you're, like, you're going into it knowing that Smog isn't going to show up until the second movie. Um, and I just I feel like a lot of it was just, again, too many fast cuts. Um there were some there were some scenes where they held long enough where I thought, oh, well, that's really interesting. You know, you've got uh, uh, Galadriel and Gandalf having some sort of conversation, and I thought it was really neat how they made it very clear that she's taller than him. You know, oh, yes. like uh, some of the things like that. I thought that were were really well done. Um, but yeah, I just I, it didn't get me excited. You know what I mean? It kind of was like, oh, okay, well, there's the guy, and 
uh, Martin Freeman. He looks the part. I'm, I'm excited about him. I enjoy him as an actor. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just, it didn't get me like everybody else I talked to was just like, ah, oh, but trailer, it's amazing. Oh my gosh. And I'm like, yeah, I'm excited about the movie, but the trailer for me was kind of like, it didn't get me stoked. You know, like I found the, um, Prometheus trailer to be more engaging and, and more exciting than the Hobbit trailer. Um, but like you said, it's the very, it's only the first one. The, the later trailers might have some more action and drama and stuff in them, I guess. Yeah. Well, the, I think the Hobbit trailer lacked a villain. There was no conflict. There you go. That's exactly what it did. It didn't have, well, there, there was like one crotch shot of the trolls. Yeah, yippee. And, and, yeah. The, and the, the dwarves rushing in. Ah, kill the, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Everything else was a love letter to New Zealand saying, welcome back to Middle Earth. Look at the sweeping vistas. And hey, look, we, yeah. re- we rebuilt Hobbiton. And this time it's yeah. rebuilt for real, so it's going to stay built as a tourist attraction later. So come to New Zealand. And they had you know, Sir Ian Holm in there, and they had a little, little bit of Elijah Wood, so they're, they're give, giving you the bridge. You know, Here's the bridge between Fellowship of the Ring and The Hobbit. And yeah. the, pre- the whole premise of the, the trailer is Bilbo telling Frodo more of the full story of what happened uh, during his adventure with the dwarves. And really the only, you know, villain they've got in there is at the tail end where you know, they have the little bit with Bilbo meeting with uh, Gollum. Right. And it's just not very threatening. It's, okay, yes, it's the raspy voice. It's, yeah, it's precious. And it's, I, don't know, I, I want a big freaking shot of smog burning Dale. I mean, and that's, yeah. really, that's the second movie, so I know why they didn't do it. Yeah. But that's what no, I, I agree. want. That's what I the, want. The thing that I think, too, that that holds you back from having a lot of anticipation is that we already know what Gollum looks like. We already know what happens to Gollum. So seeing him in this trailer, it's not the first time. You know, so having him all veiled in shadow doesn't really do a lot for me because it's not, there's no secret, you know. Um, right. it, for me, it's more about the trolls. Um, and uh, I really, I'm curious to see how they, they pull off the dwarfs because uh, I remember... And it was re- my memory was refreshed watching the trailer. How confused I was when I read the book because <laughs> their names there's are also so similar. Damn, many of them too. And yeah, there's like what twelve? There's 11. twelve and Thorin. I mean, there, there's cause the, the whole premise was they were thirteen, a very unlucky number without Bilbo added to the party. Right. So there were thirteen dwarves. So there was um, thirteen with or Owen, without Gandalf. Without Gandalf. Um, okay. So it was Owen, Gloin, Bifur, Bofur, Bomber, Dori, Nori, Ori. Um, who am I missing here? Are you reading this or are you just doing this from memory? No, I'm just doing this from memory. Um, wow. Uh, Feely, Keely, Thorin. I'm missing, I'm missing a pair. Balin? Ch- Ch- Balin and Dwellin, thank you. You're welcome. Um, so there's the 13 and the, the burglar. Bilbo made 14, breaking the unlucky number. Um, and I'm, I'm also a big, very big fan of uh, Martin Freeman. Um, he was one of the few bright spots in the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy film. Mm-hmm. He is spectacular in the Sherlock uh, miniseries. Have you seen that? You know what? I have. And and they're making a new one. Yes, thank God. Series yeah, 2 I was, is underway. I was really impressed with both Freeman and um, I don't remember the gentleman that played um, Holmes. Sherlock. But Yes. Oh, such a good, such a well, good in, series. 
in the land of small world syndrome, we've got Martin Freeman playing Bilbo, and the actor who plays Sherlock Holmes in the Sherlock series is the voice of Smaug later in the second movie. Oh, really? Really, really. Interesting. Small See, world I, syndrome. And that's and that's the thing that I forget about Smog is that he talks. You know, yeah, like when you think dragon, you think kind of like roaring and fire breathing and uh, like Balrog type stuff. But but Smog is like dragons in Lord of the Rings or the dragon, I guess, in Lord of the Rings is they're intelligent. They're wicked intelligent. Um, yeah. I mean, the, the great worms were you know, a plague upon the land because they had incredible strength, power, and massive intelligence, which was a bad combo right. if you were trying to not be eaten. Yeah. <laughs> Survival of the fittest becomes a much difficult, uh, much more difficult task. So mm. where, um, have you read other books? Like, I mean, obviously you've read The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. Have you gone on to read, like, the Silmarillion? Similarian? I can never pronounce it right. I mean, the Silmarillion reads like Greek mythology in Greek. Oh, God. It was never meant to be published. Professor Tolkien wrote that for his own sake, just so he could have the framework in his head of the prehistory of the world, the creation of Middle-earth, because you, you read about, you read interviews with him, and he treated his writings in the Middle-earth setting as though he were the historian of Middle-earth, and he was just reporting things that had actually happened, which is why the Lord of the Rings you know, it grabs so many people because there is this implied depth where he'll make just a little casual passing comments about something that just implies, well, of course, you know, this descends from the line of Numenor and then moves on to the next topic. Like, the, the line of who? The what? And... And he was able to pull that off because he had fully formed in his head and written down in his notes this massive backstory. And all he was doing with Lord of the Rings was just telling one part of the history. So the Silmarillion was just an exercise, a writer's exercise for himself, which they then dusted off and published to try and ride the coattails of the success of Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. But when you go and read it, it is obvious that this was not written with a regular readership in mind because oh my i mean i'm a dedicated tolkien fan and i cannot slog through the silmarillion to save my life because it is it's it's unreadable yeah i've never tried and i've i've had reports from friends saying you probably don't want to try it it's i mean if you like to be entertained by your reading this is not the book for you if you want to become a scholar of middle earth it's required reading because it's all this incredible deeply involved backstory but it doesn't it doesn't read like the epic tale that lord of the rings and to a lesser extent hobbit is so and what i'm curious to see is if if the the movie uh studios get greedy and try to convert the silmarillion into a movie or movies later on uh once they've they've tapped out the hobbit i hope to god they don't yeah it doesn't uh, sound like it's going to be very exciting you know you're going to end up with something um as like immortals, you know, like it's like a loose interpretation of the mythology because you, you have to because if you did a literal interpretation, it's just it's boring, you know, or and there's just too much. Well, I mean, that's one of the beautiful things that Philippa, Fran, and Peter do well. They do really a digest version of the writings while still satisfying, you know, most of the fanboys and fangirls' uh, hearts. 
Oh, so, I agree. Because yeah. they're, they're, they're fanboys and fangirls themselves, and it really shines through in the, the unwillingness to drop certain things from the storyline because, no, no, this is, this is going to take up some time, but it's really necessary. So you look at the behind-the-scenes, and you see them struggling over the Council of Elrond in The Fellowship of the Ring. Mm-hmm. which is basically 37 pages of people sitting around a table and talking. That doesn't translate to a film readily. And they were encouraged by the studio to just drop it and just you know, just proceed more quickly through a more direct line out of Rivendell back into the wild where action can happen. And they stood their ground and said, no, this is a massively important part of the story where... The various peoples of Middle-earth get together and realize that we have here the One Ring and argue about what is to be done. Shows the motivation of Boromir. We must take it and use it against the enemy. Shows the conflict between the dwarves and the elves and gives Frodo his opportunity to say, ah, crap, I gotta take this thing all the way. Okay, I'll do it. And they manage to condense it from the, oh my god, epic 37 pages of talking to something that didn't bogged down the movie and yet served the original narrative. That's hard to do. I couldn't do it. Um, so I think there, there is hope. If anybody could adapt the Silmarillion, it would be them, but I think it's beyond even their capabilities. Yeah, no, I, I, I think you're probably right there. And w- one of the things that I did enjoy about The Lord of the Rings, too, is um, after um, reading the books, which I hadn't done uh, as, a, as a young man, I, I read them actually... Uh, each year I had read a book prior to the movie coming out. So I had, I had finished the books before I saw the movies, which was good. Um, but uh, I really like how they took the boring parts out of the books and dropped them out of the movies. Like all yes. the important stuff was there. But um, I, uh, the example that I always cite is the Tom Bambadil um, mm-hmm. part of the first book, which I it, it's so hard to get through. Like I, I tried one time to go back and reread them just because I, you know, I wanted to. And I got into the, the, the Bambadil section. I was like, oh, can I flip through this? Like, I don't know where it starts and ends and I just, I need to get past it. And, and I, I'm really glad that they left that out of the movie because for me, one of the reasons why it's such a boring part of the book is because it's such a tangent. It's such an offshoot from the main story, you know, like the main um, arc. For the characters in the plot, it's just such a weird branch to go down on, you know. What I mean, what is it even doing there? I mean, what yeah, well, does it mean if serve? You, yeah, if you can cut it out and it doesn't affect the overall story arc, then I mean, it should should have been cut from the manuscript anyway. You know what I mean? Well, I think that's a side effect of Tolkien's attitude. Was no, I'm just telling the history, and this is how it happened. They encountered this ancient, powerful being. Uh, who we really don't tell you much of anything about other than he's n- knows an awful lot. And interestingly, the ring has no power over him and has this, you know, fae-like wife and off you go. Yeah, go, no, it's, go. A, it's like a bad Star Trek episode. It's like tangent alert, tangent alert. <laughs> so yeah, that was that was an obvious cut. And, and you look back at when they were developing the film and the wailing and gnashing of teeth on the forums from the fanboys. How dare you cut Tom Bombadil from the film? He's destroying the legacy of the And then they saw the movie. It's like, oh, that was so good. Tom, Tom, who? I don't know. Oh, so pretty. Let's watch it again. Mm. So yeah, there's no shortage of that. But I mean, Silmarillion is basically. All those Tom Bombadil stories strung one after another. You would go out of your mind. If you hated Tom Bombadil, you would you will hate the Silmarillion. 
Okay, well, mental note, I will stay far, far away. Avoid, avoid, avoid. This is not a wine for drinking. This is wine for laying down and avoiding. <laughs> so did you, uh, you have anything in the, in the research thread that you found interesting this week? <laughs> well, uh, as some of you may know, the new top-level domain, uh, .xxx, uh, came into being recently. And there was the normal land rush of people trying to protect their, you know, lots of schools and things would go in and, and buy up the .xxx domain associated with the school name just to, to make sure nobody went on there and did something uh, evil uh, on their name. And <laughs> the uh, Vatican kind of sort of didn't. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, <laughs> living in the past there, uh, Roman Catholic Church. And so Vatican.xxx is now owned by someone not the Vatican. So this is from stuff.co.nz, odd stuff. Vatican.xxx web address snatched up. No pun intended. Vatican said on Wednesday, an unknown buyer has snapped up the internet address Vatican.xxx, a domain combining its name with an extension reserved for pornographic content. This domain is not available because it has been acquired by someone else, but not the Vatican, Vatican spokesman Father Federico Lombardi said on Vatican Radio. It was not clear from the statement if the Vatican had tried to acquire the domain in order to prevent future misuse and had been beaten to the punch by an unknown buyer. Lombardi denied Italian media reports that the Vatican had, like many other organizations including companies, universities, and museums, registered the .xxx domain to prevent its misuse. The domains are being launched this month for pornographic content, and many organizations have preemptively acquired them so others cannot. Um, whoops. Yeah, um, I can imagine there's probably some... Uh, one of two things. I mean, there, there's either going to be... Uh, a, a besmirching of the Roman Catholic Church in the Vatican on uh, that particular Priests site. gone wild. Yeah. Uh, or um, there's going to be some serious blackmail <laughs> and somebody is going to try to make an absolute buttload of money, you know, to try and sell this domain back to the Vatican. Because, uh, I mean, you, you know you can charge them pretty much whatever you want. Yeah, Boba Fetish, excuse me, <clears throat> Boba Fetish in the IRC uh, tadpole says no one would misuse the Vatican.xxx domain, would they? I mean, who would ever do that? Cyber squatting, nobody does that. Yeah, not at all. So anybody listening, quickly go out and get BobaFetish.xxx. <laughs> <laughs> it's got fetishes right there in the name, kids. Yep. Don't do drugs. Yep, that's going to be an interesting interesting site. I see, I see many uh, pink Boba Fett costumes in that site's feature. <laughs> you shudder, but there was one at Halcon this year, and it was actually quite funny. <laughs> she was, she was, she was a pretty sharp looking. Um, what is it? It's a Mandalorian. Mandalorian, yeah. Yeah, she was a, a pink Mandalorian. Uh, she had it was like pink and teal green, and it was, it was very cool. I give her points for originality. I've seen versions of the Darth Vader costume done in those kind of Hello Kitty pastel colors before as well. So I think it's yeah. something in that vein. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was very similar. Um, very similar. She still right. looked pretty aggressive, though. It was like a dirty pink, you know, like you had battle scar pink. I guess would be the technical. I'd buy that yeah, for a dollar. Term. 
<laughs> yeah. Is it uh, Distressed Pink? Yes. There, that may be our, our show title, Distressed Pink, Pink Boba Fett. Either that or Priests Gone Wild. I'm, I'm voting for the Boba, Boba Fett. The Distressed Pink Boba Fett? Yeah, I, I don't think we need to drag any priests into it. That's, yeah, well, <laughs> you don't. You just don't want to bring down the wrath of the of the Roman Catholic Church, don't you? <laughs> they don't scare me, but no, I don't. No! Something along those lines. Very similar, too. Yes. I reject your reality and substitute my own. Occasionally. So I just hadn't had enough drop-ins in a while, and I just felt the need. And we still need to come up with... Actually, we're missing our Loranus today in the tadpole. It being the holidays, you know, attendance right. is, is slacking because people are off doing family things. Mm. Oh, <laughs> speaking, speaking of family, of, we, we, may, yeah. we may have just lost our, uh, <laughs> lost our guest. Oh, no. Uh, I just got an email from the Terpster, the T. Family have just randomly turned up to say hi for Christmas. Do you have any later slots? Oh, <laughs> it's like, no, dude, that's the last slot of the show. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I hate Christmas. I've got your slot right here, Mark. Yeah, this is indeed. You, you're going to make Joel cry. He was so looking forward to talking to you, and but now there may be tears. Is he I, listening? Because we could guilt him into coming on. He can bring like the family, him. too, if he wants. <laughs> I'm kind of curious what the extended Turpin family <laughs> might be like, actually. You they know, produce like, someone like him. Yeah, I want to meet Terpster's crazy uncle. See, there's another possible uh, title for the show, Terpster's Crazy Uncle. <laughs> Ooh, drunk uncle smell. <sighs> yeah. Um, well, one of the things that I wanted to ask you, and since we've got everybody everybody listening now, it's a good time to bring it up. Uh, is there going to be uh, an Alpha Geek Radio Fridays next week, the, the week between the holidays? Oh, that's a really good one. I'm going to lean towards probably not, because I think the way things are panning out, I'm going to be forced to be traveling that morning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've got a lot so, going on myself. Yeah, so let's go ahead and call it now. Um, we will either pre-record something short and release it just on the, on the RSS feed for you, or uh, there, there will definitely be nothing live next Friday. Yes. So okay. we will, we will, that, that will be our holiday hiatus day for... Um, this year. On Saturday the 31st, um, I'm putting plans together for the end of year spectacular for the Versus the World hosts. So we're going to try and get as many uh, live hosts to come in to do a little half hour bit and do our end of year huzzah and welcome 2012 thing. Uh, to which you are welcome to attend uh, for as little or as much as you like and are able. We can talk about, more, talk that, about that more off the air. Sure. Um, but for those of you listening, take, keep an eye on the front page of vtwproductions.com for the announcement of the time that we will begin on the 31st, and we'll basically start and we will go until we run out of hosts. So it'll be a matter of how many of us can uh, get time away on New Year's Eve to join in via the miracle of Skype, and it should be a grand old time. They usually uh, devolve into drunken train wrecks and uh, will you know, never get published to any RSS feed out of shame. So listening live is key. Because on the 1st of January, we will deny that it ever happened. So <laughs> tune in live. Nice. December 31st, vtwproductions.com. 
So that would put uh, our next Radio Friday episode on the 6th or the 5th? What's that Friday? Uh, the 6th. The 6th. Okay. importantly, yes. our, guest, our guest for that show, which is the show immediately preceding the uh, Consumer Electronics Show coverage that VTW will be doing all that next week during CES while we all tromp up to Vegas and have a grand old time and occasionally do radio shows. Uh, our guest will be the one and only Mr. Tom Merritt from Tech News Today, Sword and Laser Podcast. Oh, God, what else? He does Forecast, which is where you and I met. Uh, so yes, I blame Tom yep. for this entire thing. Uh, God, what else is Tom? I mean, TomMerritt.com. You can see kind of a summary of all of his different works. He's been involved with CNET. He's kind of netcaster, blogger, nerd podcaster, netcaster extraordinaire. And uh, we're really looking forward to uh, having a good long chat with him on January 6th. So definitely, you're going to want to be here for that show uh, for Mr. Tom Merritt live on Alpha Geek Fridays. He will be our Alpha Geek for that week. And we will get to talk about all the fun stuff we're likely to see in our coverage the next week at the Consumer Electronics Show 2012. Going to be a fun one. Be there. Yeah, I'm excited. I, I really enjoy talking to, with, uh, with Tom. Yeah, he just he's he's a tremendously uh, on the ball kind of guy, and mm. really dialed dialed into the fun, especially from like a technology standpoint. Though I mean, Sword and Laser, which is more about uh, fantasy sci-fi literature, is equally entertaining. So he's he's kind of a jack of all trades, and I'm extremely jealous of his talents. Just yeah, and I I've, I've been meaning to listen to um, Sword and Laser because uh, I mean I really enjoy listening to uh, Veronica Belmont as well, but. Uh, I, I want to get into reading more sci-fi and fantasy, but I feel like they'll they'll be talking about a book that I'll really want to read, but they just they read so much faster than me. So I yeah. I can't listen for spoilers. It's like, damn it, I wanted to read that. Now I have to read the book before I can catch up on the show. And so yeah, I have to uh I kinda have to pick and choose my episodes of Sword and Laser um carefully to avoid um spoiling content that I uh I don't want to miss. Yeah. They are uh very entertaining and I've, I've gotten a fair few um i got encouraged to pursue hunger games through them um and because I, I kind of avoided the hunger games because it was classified as you know young adult fiction you know teenage style stuff and eh, while i see why it has that classification it is also a, a damn entertaining listen since i'm doing it through my audible account oh cool and looking forward to it becoming uh a major motion picture in the not-too-distant future. First trailers of That's that right. are available. Yeah, I saw that. I'm not familiar at all um, outside of a quick uh, rundown. And I can't remember who... I can't remember which friend it was, the, the quick rundown. But it's basically like a post-apocalyptic um, battle royale. It's like um, the Running Man sort of thing, isn't it? Yeah, very much so. It's uh, you know dystopian future, uh, completely... Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Like autocratic central government uh, rules with an iron fist. The twelve um, different regions of Panem, which is you know, the the future United States, and just basically as an exercise of to demonstrate the degree to which they own all the citizens, they make all of the uh, different regions send in two of their children who are picked uh, via random lottery every year to fight in the Hunger Games where they basically go into an arena and have to kill each other um, until only one remains. 
Um, it's, a, it's a lovely world that they live in. Um, there's sunshine and kittens and uh, spears through the gut. Um, hmm. Yeah, and so the, at least the initial book is about just showing the evil central government uh, messing with the lives of the normal citizens who, of course, live in downtrodden conditions where food is extremely scarce, resources are extremely scarce, and are tightly controlled to keep people in line. Um, so it's all about the you know the Hunger Games because everyone is hungry all the damn time, and then our heroine is exposed to the capital where food is plentiful and everything is nice and beautiful and wonderful and then she gets stuffed into the arena and said, okay, go kill everyone, including this person that came from your own town um, who may or may not have a crush on you. Have a nice day. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Is it is it um, kind of youth fiction? Or is it it's, like, is it... It's certainly classified as that. It's marketed as, as young adult fiction. Oh, uh, uh, okay. There's some pretty damn uh, adult themes in there as far as uh, yeah. basically slaughtering each other in the arena. So, right. Well, as long as there's no sparkly vampires on, on board. Yeah, it's not that kind of young adult fiction. Which, it, and that exact reaction that you just had is what has kept, had kept it away, me away from it for so long. Because right. to me, when someone says young adult fiction to me, I go mm -hmm. straight to the Twilights of the World and I'm like, no, evil. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And I'm glad I was talked into going for this one because it is it is very very good. So I encourage oh, cool. anyone who has not checked it out to check it out because it looks like it's going to be a pr pretty decent adaptation um, in the movie as well. the The actor and actress they've chosen for the lead roles fit my mental perceptions of of you know, how I formed them in my head from the from the text of the the book. And you know, as far as much as you can tell from a trailer, it seems to be holding pretty tightly to the, uh, as described in the book, but trailers could be misleading. Right on. Looking at you, Highlander 2. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, I hated those movies so much. Oh, it was, it was horrifying. Uh, when you, yeah. you went from a Highlander, which, you know, cult favorite, interesting universe, nice, fun, action-packed story... With yeah. an interesting hero, with a lisp, <laughs> with a well, he's a fuzzy foreigner. Um, yeah, <laughs> and you go from that to Planet Zeist. Yeah, uh, Highlander Two: Contractual Obligations, what they should call that movie. <laughs> yeah, really though. Uh, the only reason yeah. they had Lambert and Connery in there is because they had to. They didn't wanna. They had to. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Evil. Evil peeing all over a good franchise. Hollywood, why? Well, I know I know why Hollywood does this. It's, it's the two-thirds rule. In Hollywood, they have this little formula that usually holds true that any sequel to a successful movie is more or less guaranteed to make at least two-thirds as much money as the original. So it's as close to a sure thing as Hollywood ever gets. So they can actually right. budget carefully and say, okay, if we don't spend more than this, we're guaranteed to turn a profit on this. And from that formula, we get things like Highlander 2. Mm. But then we also get some things like Star Trek 2 Wrath of Khan, where the sequel is better than the original. So it's from our perspective, it's at least giving some artists a shot at making a movie, and there's occasionally a good one spits out of it. Well, I mean, I can think of a couple, too. Um, Toy Story 2 was better than the original. Uh, Batman Dark Knight was better than Batman Begins. 
Um, there's another trailer we can get into a little bit later, too, is the new Dark Knight trailer. Ah, actually, the perfect segue right there. Uh, let's talk about that one right now, because... Actually, no, we have our break. So when we return, we can talk about the initial teaser trailer. And also, for those of you who have been going to see Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol at your local IMAX, you get to see the first six minutes of the film. And actually, I've seen it described on Twitter as... There's this great Batman film that you can go see at IMAX with this really long Mission Impossible trailer after it. <laughs> nice. So, yeah, the uh, first big trailer from uh, The Dark Knight Rises. So we'll talk about that when we return. You are listening to Alpha Geek Fridays live on Versus the World Radio, vtwproductions.com. Got a little Jonathan Colton queued up for you here. We shall return right after this. Versus the World Productions. Podcasts and blogs by geeks for geeks. www.vtwproductions.com This year has been a little crazy for the Andersons. You may recall we had some trouble last year. The robot council had us banished to an asteroid That hasn't undermined our holiday cheer And we know it's almost Christmas By the marks we make on the wall That's our favorite time of year Merry Christmas From Chiron Beta Prime Where we're working in a mine For our robot overlords Did I say overlords? I meant protectors On every corner there's a giant metal Santa Claus Who watches over us with glowing red eyes They carry weapons and they know if you've been bad or good Not everybody's good but everyone tries And the rocks outside the airlock Exude ammonia-scented snow It's like a winter wonderland Merry Christmas from Chiron Beta Prime Where we're working in a mine For our robot overlords Did I say overlords? I meant protectors Merry Christmas from Chiron Beta Prime Redacted. Now it's time for Christmas dinner I think the robot sent us a pie You know I love my soil and green Merry Christmas from Chiron Beta Prime Where we're working in a mine For our robot overlords Did I say overlords? I meant protectors Merry 
Hi, this is Scott Johnson, artist of Extra Life at MyExtraLife.com, and you're listening to Versus the World Radio. Alpha Geek Fridays continues live on Versus the World Radio, VTWProductions.com. So our ne'er-do-well guest this week, uh, Mark the Terpster Turpin, has in fact been ambushed by family members who showed up unannounced on his doorstep and is looking like he will not be able to join us for this segment. So we shall rise up against him as one, storm his home with torches and pitchforks, and actually more likely just reschedule him for another day. But mm. I'm looking at you, Mark. Yes, Mark, eyes. you're in the doghouse until uh, you come on one of my shows. And then I will forgive you. There you go. See how that works? Mm-hmm. He is now deeply in our debt. And we're just going to fly to the UK together and beat it out of his flesh. <laughs> it's like on, on the surface, you kind of like the idea that Mark, the Terpster Turpin, owes me one. But then on the, once you get a second to think about it, you're like, hmm, wait a minute. <laughs> what, how, what, sure if, what form could the payback take? Yeah, is this, is this advantage Joel or is this advantage Terpster? <laughs> you know, like, I'm not really sure. Mm, not touching that <laughs> one with a 10-meter cattle prod. Uh, All right, yeah. so what we will do in place of Terpster on Skype is something much more interesting. All of you on Skype. So we're going to talk in a little bit here about the trailer for Dark Knight Rises. And we'd like to encourage you guys to fire up your copies of Skype in preparation for calling in when we're done to talk about any of the three uh, movies we've talked about today. So Prometheus, The Hobbit, uh, Unexpected Journey, and The Dark Knight Rises. Uh, Your expectations for them, your hopes for them, whether you're interested in seeing them, whether you think they're going to be crap, whether you like the trailers, dislike the trailers. Think about that. Fire up your copies of Skype. And the Skype name you want to dial into when we tell you, and only when we tell you, is VTW Shows. You can also go to the front page of VTWProductions.com and look in the lower right-hand corner. And you should see a Skype icon that says, I'm online. And if you have your Skype properly installed, simply clicking on that link should initiate a call to us uh, when we are ready to accept your calls for the moment. Not yet, because we want to talk about the Dark Knight Rises trailer. Joel, your impressions. My impressions are bleak. Um, I, I'm kind of hoping, I feel like I'm a negative Nancy this episode, but I'm, I'm kind of hoping that some of the effects that we saw are not finished. Uh, I'm, I'm not convinced that, that Bane is, is really just a a namesake for a completely different villain. Like, I, I don't know that he looks or, or acts the part. Um, I may be just a little bit unfamiliar or, or dealing with too much of a cartoon version of of Bane in, in my mind. Um, I've heard complaints that of people that have seen the six minutes uh, ahead of Mission Impossible in the, in the theater that he's impossible to understand. Like you can't yeah. really make out what he's saying through the mask. And I mean, I'm already kind of worn thin with the growly, throaty, nose plug Batman that that happens. You know, like the several scenes of The Dark Knight at the end where he gets, you know, he's ex- physically uh, exuding himself and he's breathing through his mouth because. You know, apparently Bruce Wayne didn't think ahead of time to put nose holes in the Batman yeah. mask. I, you know, it just, it really kind of feels a little bit, they're just pushing the limits of my suspension of disbelief, you know? And uh, the the part in the trailer um, where the football field explodes and, and collapses looked mm-hmm. like poop, um, to be <laughs> kind. Uh, and speaking of Prometheus in the Alien trailer, the um, flying bat thing that they have in there it looks more like a drop ship than a bat wing yeah you know i mean i understand that they're they're, they're making stuff like 
the the technology in in the Batman movies that have been rebooted are are supposed to be feasible. Like they're not supposed to be um, too cartoony. It's supposed to be a functioning thing. Uh, right. And and I, I get that, but I just I don't know. It just it feels too un Batman. It I don't know. I'm not I'm not convinced. And of course, the only shot of Batman that you see in the whole trailer that I can remember. He's in broad daylight on what looks like the steps of the city hall. Like I, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I need some. I need some convincing. I fear the. I mean, and there, you know, there's basically one line of dialogue in the regular trailer that you can that you can find online. And actually, I need to link that for the tadpool. I think no, that's not it at all. I've got entirely the wrong link queued up there because I fail. Um, there's only one line of dialogue from Bane in the trailer that you can view online, and it is pretty much completely unintelligible. Um, if I hadn't read the line previously, I would not have known what the hell he was saying. It was basically the line is, when Gotham has been reduced to ash, then I will give you permission to die. And yeah, they've, they've gone overboard and I hope to God that they take the feedback they're getting from the IMAX six minutes and from this trailer and take the time that they've got and do ADR and have them re-record that guy's dialogue so you can actually understand him because if you've got a major villain doing his major villain villain speech and you can't understand what the hell he's saying no one's going to want to watch this movie yeah, I I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, because especially when you're gonna you're gonna have like you know Bane on one side, and then you're gonna have Batman on the other side. <laughs> it's gonna be like the teacher from Charlie Bound. You know, like it's not. <laughs> <gonna> be... <laughs> yeah, I I'm not convinced. <laughs> like Animal from the Muppets and the Swedish Chef. Oh my no. god, that is brilliant. <laughs> that okay, listen. Eat drums! Eat drums! Disney and Jim Henson, if you're listening, I want a YouTube video with Animal as Batman and the Swedish chef as Bane. Make it happen. Please. We make know that you're listening. Happen. We know you're listening. Do it. Make this happen. You'll be rich beyond your wildest dreams of avarice. Oh my gosh. That is so but that's so good. So I never even made that I'm connection until just now. <laughs> Welcome to Alpha Geek Fridays. I'm yeah. going to injure myself talking like Christian Bale doing Batman. <laughs> Actually, you know who does a really good uh, Christian Bale Batman impression is uh, the guy that plays Abed on uh, the Community Show. Have you seen that? Okay. Yes, I have. Yeah. Oh, he he does such a good a good Batman. It's it's really 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 funny whenever he spoofs it. It's uh it's good. In the chat room, I'm seeing some concern about just the choice of villain in the form of Bane. And yeah, I have actually hurt my throat. Hang on. Um, I'm not as concerned about that. I mean, and the, the version of Bane in the Batman Forever was horrifically bad. The version of Bane you're likely to see in some of the uh, animated series also not that great. Um, the original well, they went, they concept, went really hulk with him, didn't they? Yeah, they they went really crazy with him um, in the movie and in the the cartoon series, and the basic Bane from the just just the comic canon, very interesting character, interesting background, uh, gets his strength basically from a constant feed of uh, an addictive drug, 
Um, but he's not Superman level or Hulk level of strength, but is still very strong and durable. And basically snaps uh, Bruce Wayne's back. Um, so he, they chose him because he was, he was one of the villains that soundly defeated Batman. Um, right. Leading to a whole interesting story arc with Azrael and you know, re- replacement Batman going bad while Bruce Wayne healed up. But they've taken that. They've, they've changed it slightly from an intravenous feed to a gas that he inhales. Basically, the idea being he was horrifically injured and needs to have a constant feed of painkiller to be able to function without going insane from the pain. So the same kind of idea is, really, I'm very strong. I feel no, not a lot of pain, like a la Darkman. Um, and I'm basically super vicious, efficient villain. And I've been sent here, the speculation is, from the uh, League of Shadows, making another attempt. So calling back to the first movie, another right. attempt to bring down Gotham using Bane as one of their tools this time. Um, so I think there's, there's great story potential there as far as hailing back to Ra's al Ghul saying, Hey, this eternal organization hasn't, you know, you haven't killed all of them and defeated them and now they're back and they're pissed. Um, and basically you know, you're going to lose at least for a good portion of this film. You're going to get the snot beaten out of you because they came back better armed and totally ready for you. And it's also eight years after the last film, and you're you're pretty damn beat down by eight years of being the villain. Because at the end of the last film, they said, you know, I will take the rap for this so that Harvey Dent can be the hero. So he's basically been pursued by the good guys and the bad guys for eight years. And that's going to wear anybody down. And from the trailer, you get the idea that, um, you know, Bruce is not doing particularly well at the the beginning of the movie because uh, everyone hates him and is trying to kill him. And then bring yeah. Bane on the scene to basically deal the death blow to him. There's great story potential there. I'm just beginning to get a little concerned about the execution. Yeah, I mean, and Bane looks like a, a cross between Darth Vader and Sabretooth. Oh, God. Speak you know what I mean? the name of the Is evil it, one. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I see what like you're saying got, there. Well, I mean, as soon as you started talking about it, it has to breathe gas, and he's been horribly injured, and I'm, the, whole, the whole time I'm just thinking, that's Vader. That's exactly what happened to Vader. Uh, and mm-hmm. now... Um, the trailer shows him with this really high-collared, furry coat. Um, and Bane is Russian, is he not? I don't recall. Okay. Um, Eastern European, I've, I've, at least. Yeah, I mean, they, they certainly they certainly allude to the fact that he's European in the in the, the animated versions where you get to hear his voice. He usually has some sort of sort of some sort of accent, um, and I want to say it's like Ukraine or Russian or something. Um, but I I don't know, like I. I feel like if they go that route where Batman loses for a good portion of the film, like who wants to watch a Batman movie where Batman is recuperating for 45 minutes? You know, like I, I understand that there's some sort of triumphant return probably at the end. I mean, it's a, it's a Batman movie, you know, that Batman's going to win, but I, I don't know. I just, I really don't want to go to this and have to watch a two and a half hour slog where a good chunk of the second act, there's no Batman. And also they really, I mean, looking at the older Batman franchise this one has got signs of villain bloat in it because you've got bane catwoman and there's indications that talia al ghul will also be making an appearance that's a lot of villains yeah Um, you're running into joel schumacher uh, yeah exactly you're in definitely schumacher territory which just makes my headache 
Yeah, exactly. So, so should we take some some calls to see? Absolutely. What? So, if you've got something to say about any of these uh, movies that we are all hotly anticipating and or fearing, uh, give us a call. The Skype name is VTW Shows, or you can go to the front page of VTWProductions.com. Look in the lower right-hand corner for the I'm Online Skype icon. Click on that, and if your Skype is properly installed and configured, it will bring you on the air. Now, of course, we have the lovely 40-second 40, 40 to minute-and-a-half delay before uh, what we say gets heard, so hopefully the calls will come flowing in here in a minute or so. Failing that, we'll just uh, make more disparaging comments about Terpster. <laughs> well, see, now there you go. Put Terpster in the Batman. In the Batman oh, outfit. God. That's. I mean, there, there you go. There's there's a guy that's not going to growl too much. Be uh, he'd never shut up. He'd talk being uh, to death. <laughs> you know, I uh, I talk like this when I have my Batman cowl on. <laughs> uh, that ain't right. All right, so you are live on Alpha Geek Fridays. Who's calling? Hey there, Gnomewise. It's uh, Boba here. It is the one and only Boba Fetish. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. How about yourselves? Uh, I finally got enough coffee in me. (laughs) Yeah, I'm still going through my coffee and Baileys. Mm, Baileys. If I didn't have to go out and drive places and be productive, I'd be joining you in that. (laughs) So what are your opinions on these various uh, nerdtastic movies that are on the horizon here? Uh, the Batman, I know I'm going to be going to see just because my uh, roommate is as much of a Batman fan as I am a Boba fan. So I know I'm going to get dragged to that. Um, so hopefully it's actually good. Um, the Hobbit, um, as long as the running time comes in under three and a half hours, I'll go see it. <laughs> Don't hold your breath. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. And the Prometheus, I'll have to wait to see if they uh, release a couple more trailers just to see where that one's going. But I mean, even if it isn't a massive alien tie-in, it seems to be, at least in in the genre or in the same feel of the original Alien, and Ridley Scott in that kind of environment, they're going to get my money. I'm going to go see there just to see what kind of tension-building, space-based horror he comes up with, because it's... He's already proven himself to be really good at that. That's very true. And just depending on where he decides to actually take it is, I think, more of my concern. Um, yeah. If, whole... As long as he stays in the whole, or his original alien and alien sort of theme, so to speak, that style, I'll probably see that one. But if he I mean, goes this, too far The indications field, are probably... he's going pretty far afield, basically finding the ancient race that began life on Earth. You know, the original engineers, think uh, the Titans from World of Warcraft, that kind of... We come along, we seed planets and poke our nose around every once in a while to see how things are going. Uh, it uh, seems to be the, the vibe we're getting off of it. So, in other words, an alien's predator type, I think. <laughs> Possibly. Speak not the name of the evil one. <laughs> alien versus Predator Requiem. <laughs> oh, God. Ranks up there with the Batman Forever that you mentioned. The Bat Nipples. <laughs> you betcha. Batman on ice. So, so Bobo, while we've got you here, what's your two cents on uh, Anne Hathaway as Catwoman? Um, depends on how tight that skin-tight outfit is. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest. Forget, forget the acting chops. I just want to see what she looks like in the suit. Yeah, I mean, I'd be okay though. I think she's talented. I um, there wasn't enough in the trailer of Catwoman to really kind of make any kind of call, you know. 
Yeah, and I've only seen a few of the stills that got leaked out of her, so I'm not sure as to... It should be interesting anyway. Probably a lot worse people like Halle Berry that they could have in that role, so... (laughs) Yeah, that was horrible. I haven't actually seen the whole thing. I saw clips. Uh, The Catwoman stills I've seen is that Hollywood just insists on putting her in freaking stiletto heels. She's a cat burglar. She should be wearing sensible burgling shoes. But they're obsessed with making her hypersexualized. So, I mean, not like this. I mean, the rest of the, of the outfit totally works in the land of this is a cat burglar. So she has goggles that may or may not be night vision goggles. She's got the skin tight suit with the various utility belts and things hand, hanging off of it. So that, you know, that makes perfect sense for squeezing through tight spaces while you're burgling. And then the stiletto heels just ruin the entire effect. It's like, why? I mean, why? Yeah, part of the part of the mastery of being a good cat burglar, you can do it in heels. No, I reject <laughs> your reality and substitute my own. In fact, I'm reaching for where the hell is the drop in? There it is. I reject your reality and substitute my own. <laughs> <sighs> Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the heels. My dad always used to make fun of that kind of stuff in uh, in Star Trek, in Voyager. He always thought it was silly that uh, Seven of Nine was wearing high heel shoes. Yeah. At least they weren't stiletto. At least they were the kind of part of the, the unitard, and but it was definitely a heel. Weird. Um, yeah. With the cloth going all over it. But like, what? What the hell? And the rest yeah, of the crew yeah. were wearing sensible shoes. Well, um, Janeway had, had high-heeled boots, but they were boot-looking things. Like, they looked more... Right. Not military issue, but they look more Starfleetish, more function than, than fashion. And really, a lot of that too is probably you know just some technical things on the production side of the show, saying that well, the actress that played Janeway, she was too short. You know, like they probably needed. And she to definitely, add a she pictures. definitely was. And the problem yeah. is, then they brought in the actress who played Seven of Nine, who's a freaking Amazon, and they put her in heels. <laughs> if anyone needed I'm, to be in flats, it was her. Yeah, I'm okay with tall girls. I'm I'm down with that. Yeah, but she, she didn't need any assistance. She was she's already a tall, thin, lovely piece of work, and they felt it was necessary to give her high heels because costume designers are stupid and misogynistic, probably, yes. Mm. But I'm not bitter. So yeah, not there's... In, in uh, Santa Sphere, in the tadpole, says it right. Scarlet was way sexy in Iron Man 2 with no heels. Absolutely. That's right, yep. And she was sensibly dressed for super spy action heroine that she is, and hopefully they, we get uh, more of that in the Avengers movie. All indications are, yes, no stupid high heels there. So props to Joss Whedon for keeping it real. Um, that's another one I'm rather looking forward to. There have been a couple of uh, more trailers released for that one. Uh, Avengers may not disappoint i'm hoping looking good looking forward yeah to that I'm, I'm looking forward to that too it's, it's always hard to predict when you've got that many like not well i guess big name actors now but when you've yeah. got that many large uh personalities in one movie it's kind of hard to see um to not have one overshadow the other i mean like robert downey jr is a kind of a, an acting force to be reckoned with um, oh, as, as well as the character, you know, that he plays. Um, but I, I really enjoy the the guy that plays Thor, and uh, I, I like the I, I really liked the um, the Captain America movie. I thought that was really well done. I had a good a time. A lot with of it. fun. Uh, Tons of fun. Yeah, yeah. No, really, really well done. And uh, I mean, he, Chris, what's his last name? Helmsworth. Or no, Hel- yes. uh, Evans. Evans for 
and Helmsworth is Thor. Right. Yeah, uh, I really, uh, really enjoyed Chris Evans. I thought he really looked the part and and had a good, um, good kind of demeanor. It wasn't too over the top, but it was still kind of yep. that nineteen fifties kind of um, corn fed, good old boy. Yeah, you know, middle yeah, America. Exactly. Yeah, the um, I was I was encouraged when they retained Joss Whedon to do the writing and writing and directing writing because I know he's a big comic book nerd and a big Marvel fanboy, so there's that's mm-hmm. good there. And director, because he's proven himself on his previous projects at really being able to handle an ensemble cast. You look at Buffy the Vampire Slayer, there were a lot of people in that show on a weekly basis. And yes. a lot of different storylines that he managed to keep going and keep interesting. Um, you look at Firefly, you want to talk about a freaking ensemble cast. There's, there's way more main char- you know, air quotes, main characters than most television series directors are willing to deal with. You know, they were they mm. want two or three maximum. He's, and he's shooting for seven, eight, and nine. Um, yeah. So he's got the chops and knows how to keep things going. So I think the ensemble cast is going to work well. Um, that and the main villain, the actor they have uh, playing Loki, I really liked him in Thor. I think he pulled off the character well. And the little bits and snippets you get to see in the trailers for Avengers, it's like, ooh, yeah, good villain, good villain. Going to have some fun yeah. with this one. Yeah, my, my, my weakness going into the uh, the Avengers movie is that I, I have read none of the comic books. I mean, like when I went to go see Thor, I knew who he was, but I had a, a friend of mine explain some backstory and stuff like that just so I was a little bit more familiar with the Rainbow Bridge and um, Asgard and the whole kind of theory behind uh, Thor. Um, and I thought that... Marvel continues to do a very good job of bringing you into a movie and you don't need to have been a fan of the comic book for years. Like you can go in blind and really enjoy it and not be lost. And they don't really smack you over the head with a lot of um, monologue to kind of explain things. They just, they do it visually over the course of the movie. And just almost as soon as you have a question of like, I don't get it. Why the heck is this happening? 10 minutes later, totally explained, you know, for in one way or another. And I think that's, that's one of the strengths that they have going in. Um, my concern is that I don't know enough uh, or care enough about Hawkeye to really know. That's his name, right? The Archer guy? Yes. Yeah. I like, I don't really, I don't know how that's going to pan out. A good actor, again, talented chap. They got playing him, but uh, I'm not sure about the character. Uh, also, I'm not a fan of the guy that's playing the Hulk. So I feel like that uh, might Ruffalo. be kind of a. Yeah, I'm not. I don't like him. I feel it's. I really feel like. Um, oh shoot! I'm drawing a blank on names. The guy that played him in in The Incredible Hulk, with uh, oh, with Tyler. Um, yeah. Um, uh, American History X guy. Um, yes. Um, Fight Club. Um, God, why can't I think of his name? Nurse Point Chat Room, help us out. What's yeah, his chat name? Forty second delay. Tell us. Um, <laughs> so I keep going back to Mark Ruffalo. Um, yeah. God, I can't think of his name. But anyway, uh, yeah, I understand why they didn't retain him because, well, they had a budget that was mostly being spent on uh, Iron Man, um, and going the actor I think was not interested in going from a leading role to what's essentially a co-leading role. Yeah, um, Edward Norton. Edward Norton, thank you. God, I was going to go nuts. I think yeah. he did a great job in that movie. Um, Agreed. Bruce Banner. I was surprised. I, I was originally very negative on it, and then when I saw the movie, I was like, okay, he totally pulled that off, and uh, that, that'll do, that'll do, pig. Um, the, I mean, we had our little preview of Hawkeye in the Thor movie. Um, he's going to, I think he's going to come across as just skilled uh, uh, secret agent guy. 
Um, yeah, but I don't understand, like, because he, the the part that I don't get is like he looks at this wall of really cool modern weapons and picks up a bow. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't I don't understand the reason behind it though. It's what he's good at. Uh, I mean, if, I if you suck, if you suck with a pistol, and you're well, good with a rifle, why would you pick up a pistol? Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I mean, that, again, that's just part of me that just has to let go and let it be what it is, right? Yeah, I mean, because it's it's his thing. It's it's his skill. I mean, why does Thor wield a magical hammer? Because it's his thing. Uh, yeah, but I, but that that's easier to buy into, you know, than than a guy that is just a normal guy that you know picks up a bow and arrow versus a gun. Like I, again, I mean, it could be just as simple as like I don't know the backstory. I mean, it's the same reason that Bruce Wayne doesn't like guns is because one killed his parents. You know, like I I mm-hmm. don't know enough about the Hawkeye character to understand why he uses a bow, and that's probably what my reservation is is on that. Um, I mean, Hawkeye is more been. It's been less about his skill as an archer and more about his leadership role because in the comics he is very much a leader of the Avengers team. Um, okay. I'm not sure if that's going to come across in this iteration of it. Um, so I think a big part of the uh, movie's storyline is going to be them struggling to find their places as a team. There's indications in there that there's a, a major throwdown between Captain America and Thor. Um and that's that's interesting storytelling is them you know trying to gel as a team because they're all pretty much all coming from places of they are their own boss with the exception of the Hulk, um, right? And they're all used to being big man on campus, and now they're thrown in with with a bunch of peers and they have to figure out okay somebody's got to be in charge here, and not everyone's going to be comfortable with that, and hopefully there'll be some interesting storytelling that happens as a result of that. Mm-hmm. But that also yeah, no, conveniently, I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, Sorry, I'm, go ahead. I'm, that one I'm, I'm massively looking forward to. But also, we are now reaching the end of our run because we have to vacate the stream uh, in order to make room for the upcoming episode of The Instance, which there's some debate in the IRC channel as to whether they're actually doing a show today. But just in case, we should stick to our show times because we're good that way. We are professionals. Yes, indeed. Boba, thank you for joining us on the air. I'm going to summarily kick you to the curb, and we'll catch you next week. I think we lost Boba. I think we did, too. No, he hung up. He hung up on me before I could hang up on him. That dog. (laughs) Thank you, Boba, for calling in and giving us your opinions on the upcoming movie, Nerdy Goodness. So we will not be back next week, same bat time, same bat channel. However, check the front page of vtwproductions.com for information on next Saturday's special show. Our end of year extravaganza with multiple hosts and lots of pre-recorded and live goodness for your ears to take in. Uh, And then the week after that, uh, Friday, January 6th, we will be back on the air for our regular show with Mr. Tom Merritt and our pre-CES 2012 show. Boo and yah. Joel, you have a parting shot for the uh, Tadpool and the podcast listening audience? I do. Uh, I am going to be working uh, ahead of time on Monday's StarCrossed comic, which you can read at StarCrossedOnline.com. And I also have a special gift for all of my readers, which I will be posting hopefully either later today or tomorrow. It will be up in time for Christmas, and I will be tweeting that out. So just go to StarCrossedOnline.com. You can find me on all social media right there on the site. And uh, keep an eye out in the blog for a special holiday gift for all of my readers. Awesome. Most excellent. So Joel will have his holiday gift. We will have our holiday show. It's a whole holiday thing. We're, it's because we're givers. We're, we, we like to give. 
We shall catch you guys January 6th. Same bat time, same bat channel. I have been the other Todd, sometimes known as Gnomewise. And joining me from across the many miles to the north, Joel Duggan from StarCrossedOnline.com. We are out of here. We came, we saw, we kicked its ass.